Loading Erica's podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Live from New York City, it's the Erica Finn Show. And your host who gets up close and personal with celebrities from the stage and beyond, Erica Finn. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Erica Finn Show. We have a great show for you tonight. I am here with Broadway actress Laura Osnes. Laura has played some of Broadway's best-known characters, Sandy and Grease, after winning the TV show Grease, You're the One That I Want, Nellie Forbush in South Pacific, Hope Harcourt in Anything Goes, and Bonnie Parker in Bonnie and Clyde, which earned her a Tony nomination. She also recently starred in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella on Broadway, for which she received a Drama Desk Award and her second Tony Award nomination for Best Actress in a Musical. All at the age of 29. Oh, my God. Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So impressive. You're 29, and you've done all these incredible shows, two Tony Award nominations. Oh, my God. Like, my goodness, thank you. That was quite, quite the introduction. Quite the introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we, we have some stuff in common. You're a Midwestern girl. You grew up in Minnesota, also from right? the Midwest. Did you did you expect growing up? Did you expect that you'd end up in New York? You know, I always hoped and dreamed that I would, and I feel like I I probably would have at some point because Broadway is what I've always wanted to do. Um, but I never thought I would get there so soon in my life, and definitely not through a reality television show. <laughs> I know, right? That's so crazy. So, how did that come about? How did you end up even auditioning for that show? Sure. Um, I was actually playing Sandy at Chanhassen Dinner Theater in Minnesota at the time, and I took a weekend off of the show. The director gave me permission to go and audition for NBC's reality TV show, Grease, You're the One That I Want. And I flew to L.A., and I stood in line with thousands of people, and I kept making it past every level and competed um, on the live show. It was much like American Idol where we sang every week and, you know, America voted. And I ended up winning that competition. So I initially heard about it in the newspaper, and I just I flew to Los Angeles and stood in line and auditioned. So it's it's crazy how it happened. Was it crazy? I think with reality TV, it must be so cool for the person actually involved to be able to like because you've experienced it. You've experienced it really. Then you get to watch it back and see oh, things yeah. that you didn't know were going on behind the scenes. Oh, you know. I mean. It's unbelievably stressful, to be honest. And we all lived in a house mm-hmm. together. And, we, you know, the contestants got along surprisingly well. And I'm, I still keep in touch with many of them. Um, and a lot of them have gone on to have, you know, very successful careers as well. So I think it was a good thing for everybody. But it's it's scary. And there's a lot of pressure being put on that pedestal every week and having to sing for your survival. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful I did it. But um, it was definitely a really weird experience that I, <laughs> I probably wouldn't want to go through again if I had to. Do you think doing that made it so much easier? I mean, I assume for, for all these other shows, like you still had to, like for for Nelly Floor, but she still has to go on auditions, right? Is that how that Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, the Grease show really put me on the map, for sure. And, you know, at my yeah. first New York audition, I could walk in the room and they the casting directors knew who I was because I was playing Sandy in Greece and I had done a reality TV show. So that was, you know, a real blessing. Many people graduate college and have to move to New York and start from nothing. And I, I moved to New York with a year-long contract playing a lead in a Broadway show. So no matter how I got there, 
And, I, you know, I still feel like I did have to work hard. You know, my, my next show after South Pacific um, was Nellie, was playing Nellie Forbush and Anything Goes, and or, Nellie Forbush and South Pacific, excuse me. And I had four auditions. I had to go through four, a series of four auditions and callbacks for that role. So I definitely feel like I, you know, I still I still had to earn it after Yeah, you know, after Greece. No, I'm sure. And um, did you feel, though, was it a lot easier for you, given that you had to go through so many auditions to get the role in Greece? Like, did you feel like kind of like, you know, I'm a pro at this, I I can handle it, like, emotionally and just kind of sail through a little bit more easy? I mean, kind of. It's like, if you can make it through mm-hmm. that reality show experience, you can make it through anything, maybe. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a lot of the contestants, we, we say we're old war buddies because we went through that experience together. No one <laughs> else really knows what it was like. Um, so, I mean, in a way, yes, but it's, it's still, you know, very competitive, and it's still a business that's very up in the air, and you still have to work hard and, you know, maintain your your reputation and, and work for it because there are a lot of other talented, beautiful people trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So how, how, what did you learn about, you know, how to handle rejection or how to, you know, be kind to yourself in this process? Because I know, it, like you said, it can be brutal and you can it can be easy to be really critical of yourself. Yeah, Fortunately, I love what I do, and this is the one thing I've always seen myself doing. And I remember even when I was little, I um, in like high school years and middle school years, I had auditions for, this is just one example, for The Wizard of Oz, and I was like, had my heart set on playing Dorothy, and my best friend ended up getting it. And I remember being completely devastated, but then going, but I still want to be in the show, and I still like, I still wanted to do it so badly. I just wanted to be a part of it. And I was, and I, I, like, called the director back, and I said, can I please just be in the ensemble? And he thought I wouldn't want to be a part of it if I wasn't Dorothy, especially knowing that she was my best friend. And I said, no, I just want to do it. And so I feel like I've always had this thing in me that I've just loved it, and it's made, even though, like, rejection happens, I just, you know, you cry about it, and you're sad, and then you go, okay, when's the next audition? What, what other show can I do? If I didn't book this one, what else can I do? And I've just, I've sort of always had that mentality. So I feel like you cannot take anything personally. And all you can do is go into the audition room and be the best you that you can be and prepare and, you know, and do a great job. And then hopefully, eventually, the right role will come along where it will all pay off. Do you have any kind of, like, routine, your pre-audition routine? Do you have anything that you stick to? (laughs) Kind of you know, not really. I mean, I think the main mm-hmm. the main thing is just to prepare and and go in there and and do your best. I, there's not like a ritual or routine I have. It's like I still get a little nervous for auditions, and then you know now I'm at the point where you're human. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think if you don't get nervous, you don't care enough. You know what I mean? It's like if if you mm. care at all about getting the role, you're going to have those nerves, and um. I think that's that's an important part of the process and an important feeling to have and maintain, in in some way at least under under control. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, you need that a little bit of adrenaline to really push you to do your best. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, you have a dog. You have a Chihuahua. Um, I, I do. About you. What's his name? Her name is Lila. Or her name, Lila. Um, yes, oh, that's we, cute. We named her after, there's a character on the TV show Friday Night Lights, 
that my husband and I are obsessed with the TV show. We've seen all the seasons, and it's a wonderful, wonderful show if nobody's seen it. Um, but there's a character. No, I've, I've never Delilah. seen it, and I need to see this show. <laughs> so many it's very good. It. I mean, the writing is great. The actors are great. It's, it is, and I don't even love football, but I love the show. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever been able to participate in Broadway Barks since you're, I know you're such a dog lover? Yes. You know, actually only one year I have. I did it uh, the year I was in Cinderella, which was great. I got to go up and um, present um, a couple of the animals with Anne Harada and Victoria Clark, who are also in Cinderella. The three of us went. It's like between shows on a Saturday. So it's like you kind of have to like get out of your wig and everything and then like trot down to, to Schubert Alley between shows and then go back and do the evening performance. But it's so special what, you know, Bernadette Peters is doing. And they had so many animals there that day that all need homes. It's really a wonderful cause. Since you brought up Cinderella in that costume, you know, when I was thinking about you doing Cinderella, I was thinking like, this is really every, like, every girl's, like, childhood dream, right? Right. Because the kid, yes. I don't know about you, but I was in the tacky dress, like, at five years old, running around the house, right? So is it, yeah. was that what you were like, like, as a kid, always dreaming to be a princess? And was it, that just must have been so cool to fulfill that. Yes, it was, I just was pinching myself every day at work. Like, I kind of, I like, you kind of realize it, but you kind of don't. Like, you're just like, oh, I'm living my life, and I happen to get to do this. And then... Like once a week, I would just be reminded. I would have a moment where there was like a little girl. I would see, you know, a little girl in her Cinderella dress, or, you know, because someone would tell me they cried when they saw, you know, the transformation in the show. And then you're reminded. I was reminded all the time at how truly special it was that I got to originate the role of Cinderella on Broadway. Like, you know, you you we I did the show over 400 times, and by that time you're like, oh, it's just wow. it's my job. And then you're like, wait, but my job is magical. I get to, yes, do those magical transformations. And William Ivy Long, who designed the costumes, is extraordinary. And he won the Tony Award, you know, for his designs for our show. And it's so well-deserved because I just feel like what he did with the costumes is so revolutionary. Um, He wanted all the magic to happen before the audience's eyes. So we didn't use any body doubles or blackouts or smoke and mirrors. It was all... um, in the design of the costumes, which I think was just so beautiful. I have a question for you because I did see the show. How did they How did they handle the dropping the shoe scene? Oh, or how was like, that? Like losing my shoe yeah. on the stairs? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I lost it. I I came running out with it kind of half on my foot so that I could lose it. Um, and I just I step out of it on the stairs. That's it's. Okay. Exactly how you. Yeah, think I always wondered it about that. <laughs> yeah, some people were like, your little was, it on, "Was it on the trap door that like that like as you ran over the stair, like it flipped up?" And I was like, "No, I took, I dropped the shoe off my foot." <laughs> and you know, yeah, like, yeah. Ninety, ninety percent of the time, it stayed perfectly on the step, right in the spotlight where it had to be. And then there was like ten percent where of the time where sometimes it would like roll down one step or like get caught in my dress and like you know, fall, fall to the stage level down two steps or something. But most of the time it works like a charm and it just um, stayed right where it needed to be. That's so funny. Um, you, were, you were also the lead in Bonnie and Clyde. Um, I, yeah. I loved that show. And I still listen oh, you got to, to see that love too? who you are. I did. Yes, I got to see hmm. that show. It was, I mean, I was, I was really disappointed when it was canceled. And, you know, I know that. Well, we all were. Was, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. I mean, I really thought it was a special show. Um, and I know the well, critics thank you. didn't react to the show. I'm just wondering, you know, it seems like 
from from what I've seen, that it's virtually impossible to succeed as a show if the critics don't support it for any for whatever reason. Is that well? Would that it's be a not impossible. In this, in this no, the, mm-hmm. that's not. It's not impossible. The critics did not care for Wicked, and now it has become a phenomenon. So mm. you know, it, it's not only up to the critics. Um, you know, there's been plenty of shows also that have gotten wonderful reviews, especially in this last season, and yet are having a really hard time selling tickets. So I think it it really depends on the time of year, it depends on the marketing, it depends on what other shows are running at the same time, and if your show is the one that tourists are coming in town to see. Um, you know, so many factors go into it, and I feel like, you know, Bonnie and Clyde wasn't overwhelmingly well-received. We did have a couple, you know, reviews that did appreciate it or could at least acknowledge some good things about it. But we also opened at a really hard time. We opened, um, we started previews November 1st and then opened December 1st. And I feel like that's what hurt us because families coming to New York for the Christmas holiday, we're not going to see a show about two murderers, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, and then yeah. January, January and February are the slowest months on Broadway. So if a show even has been running a long time, it's, a lot of things usually close in January just because they don't have advanced ticket sales. Um, and then a lot of shows do try to push through, obviously. But even even hit shows take a hit during during January just because nobody's traveling to New York, no one is spending money during that time. Um, and so we didn't have the we didn't have the ticket sales to to make it worth it, I guess, for the producers to run us through um, through January and February and into the Tony season. So that we only got November and December, and then it was like, ah, we're we're not selling enough tickets, so we're gonna shut it down. I feel like had we opened even a little bit earlier in the season, maybe the fall, we would have had enough time to. Uh, get word of mouth to be spreading because people who came really loved it, and you know it's it's created we've created a little cult following now, and I know regional theaters across the country are doing it, and there's even been a Japan production, and they're doing it across the world, so it's good that it's living on, but we just we had a very short life on Broadway. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it was the music's wonderful, and it was. It was very entertaining. It was a great show. I mean, the cast. I mean, you're phenomenal. Yeah, we all. um, Thank you. We all really loved it. Yeah, Yeah. we spent three years, you know, developing the production. I did two out of town productions before it came to Broadway, and we all really, really loved it. And I, I have a very special place in my heart for Bonnie and for that show, just because it was the only. It was the first role I got to originate. No one has ever done that show before, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't replacing anybody or stepping into anybody's shoes or. You know, even doing a revival where people come to expect something, um, you know, I got to originate the role, which was really special. How did you deal with, you know, having it closed after two months? Oh, gosh, we were really sad. I mean, we mm-hmm. we all tried. We like, we were like, we, can we put flyers out? Like, can we help it? Like, we everybody was tweeting, like, people were trying to rally the fans to come and buy tickets. But it was just too too big of a venture, Um you know, we need another like a million dollars or whatever to try to stay open, and you know that was that wasn't going to happen. But we all clung together. We really tried to enjoy, you know, the short time that we did have together. And we we had the cast was like a family, especially because we had gone out of town twice. Like we had spent the previous, you know, two two seasons together developing the show and doing readings, and you know, we we had spent a lot of time and put a lot of heart and passion into it. So we were all, you know, very disappointed, but. Life goes on. It's it's this business called show, and I have to say, of the five Broadway shows I've done, to only have one that, you know, didn't go over as well as we had hoped, that's that's still a pretty good track record. <laughs> yeah, and you and I mean, it's pretty incredible. You received a Tony nomination 
for your performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. So then, yeah, yeah to have closed, to have closed, you know, five months earlier and then still be recognized as a Tony for that performance was, you know, if I had had any doubt of, of you know, in my mind about, oh, did I do the right thing and maybe I shouldn't have done the mm-hmm. show and oh, we closed. Like they were all, you know, relieved with that, with that nomination and getting recognized for that was just such an honor. I was completely shocked. <laughs> Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, it had to be vindicating for sure, for sure. And you were yeah. well deserved, well deserved. Um, Thank you. I goodness. heard that you were offered the role of Kate Monster in Avenue Q, and you turned it down. Is that right? Yeah, I was. It was right after Greece, um, so back in two thousand eight. And um, and I read it was because it just didn't like fit in with your like, Midwestern values. <laughs> Probably, or <laughs> yeah, in a way, that's. I mean, that is kind of what it came down to. It, you know, it was it was right after Greece, and I was I was um I was asked to come in an audition, and I actually I told my agents right away. I said I don't I don't know if this is the next thing I want to do. I really don't think that that this is what I want to do. And they said, well, why don't you go in an audition, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And I said, well, okay. So I got a call back. And I, like, was reluctantly, like, moving forward, and I went to a whole week of puppet camp, and I got to work with the puppets, which was actually really incredible, and I loved it. And then I had my final callback, and I ended up booking the role, and then I had a really hard decision to make. So in my brain the whole time I was going, this isn't, I don't want to, this isn't the show I want to do next, and then I ended up booking it, and then I had to, like, yeah, but I still ended up saying no. I stuck with my gut, which hasn't, you know, I following my heart has not led me astray the last you know, 10 years of my life. So I've learned that that's uh-huh. what I need to do, even when a good opportunity comes my way. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, the show was great. I saw the show. I, it's funny. I could even enjoy it. I just, I knew that with material like that, it was like my dad, I can't let my dad come see the show. <laughs> and that was just always in the back of my brain, going like, my dad would not be proud of me if I did this. <laughs> And, you know, it, that's something I, I mean, I just think about. I mean, I, some people may not, some people doesn't matter. And I'm great for the people who do do that show. Like, I've seen it. I love those. I know a lot of people who have done the show. Like, it's nothing against that. It's just for me personally, and especially right after Greece when I had developed um, a following of a lot of young girls. And I would get fan letters from these, like, young teenage and younger girls, like, saying how much they looked up to me. And I, I wanted to remain um, someone who could be an example to those girls. And I feel like doing a show mm. like Avenue Q was not the was not the right move right after Greece. So I ended up turning it down, which was the hardest, kind of one of the hardest things I've ever had to do career-wise. But I feel oh, like I'm sure. my career Especially has, when it was such a success, right? I mean, but... Yeah, oh, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And it would have painted me in a whole new light. It would have been, you know, something very different from from Sandy and Greece, which would have been a good thing, you know, career-wise. But um, I don't know. I just didn't feel right about it, and so I I didn't do it. But I feel like because I followed my heart, like, so many other opportunities opened for me, and my career has just gone to a place where I never, ever would have dreamed of. And um, so that's why I've learned that following your heart is the most important thing because obviously if I had taken that, I'd probably couldn't have done South Pacific and like that was a far more you know pivotal Mm -hmm. turning point in my career um than doing something like Avenue Q would have been so I'm I'm very grateful following your heart and uh and and 
doing a show that your dad can uh, go see as well. <laughs> yeah, staying, staying true to who you are, <laughs> your why was. Yeah, so I'm assuming you sure. and him haven't gone to see Book of Mormon together. <laughs> no, we have not. I have yet, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the show. I'm afraid I'm going to be offended, but I've actually heard that people that I, I, w- I should go. I think if you go with an open mind, it's totally fine. Again, I have friends in the company, and I've just, you know, it's it's the hot show to see, so Maybe yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll muster up the courage to see it one day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very entertaining. Just remember it's South Park and you'll be fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to go in with that attitude, for sure. What's been your biggest, like, stage blooper? You know, did you forget a line? Oh, did my you gosh. Laugh inappropriately. There so, there are so many. Um, laugh inappropriately. There, okay. There's oh, there's so many stories that come to my brain. <laughs> there was one in Cinderella. I'll tell this one just because it's so funny. I Santino, who played the prince, um, he and I would always kind of joke with each other on stage. Like we, it's a kind of it's the kind of show where we could have a lot of fun. Just it wasn't like really serious source material, and we we really like to try to like one up each other. And so one day I brought a jelly bean on stage during the final scene, and when he, like, took my hand to kiss my hand, I, like, passed off the jelly bean. And I was like, ha-ha, now you have a jelly bean, right? And so then what he did is that when I went to put my foot, like, in my glass slipper, like, when he's like, ooh, this will, like, will it fit you? Are you the girl? He got the shoe, and then he put the jelly bean in my glass slipper. So, like, as I'm supposed to, like, put my shoe in the slipper, luckily my foot still fit in because that would have uh-huh. been horrible if I couldn't have gotten my foot in in the moment where it's yeah. Well, that would have been one huge jelly bean, yeah. Exactly. But then the whole rest of, there's still, like, more of that scene and then a little song we have to sing before we leave the stage. And neither of us could keep it together. We were completely laughing. I, we were so, I was so unprofessional. It was like the hardest acting exercise I've ever had to do, trying to keep a straight face and sing that song, both of us knowing that there was a jelly bean in my shoe. And the whole rest of the cast had no <laughs> idea. Like, they were all like, why can't they keep it together? What is going on? I also, um, I lost my wig once during Greece. I did, like, a, a little dip in the final dance break, like a sexy Sandy in my spandex, and my wig fell off. So that was embarrassing. Um, let's see, I've had plenty of, of slips, trips, and falls, um, you know, in front of the audience. I've I've forgotten lines once in South Pacific in a song, one of the lyrics, and I totally, like, made it gibberish for, like, eight, for, like, a little, like, count of eight. It's, you know, when you do a show every day, there's bound to be things that, that go wrong. Thankfully, you know, I've never had any serious injuries, um, and I'm trying to think if... Jeremy had to hurt his back. He had a herniated disc once during a production Ooh. of Bonnie and Clyde out of town. But he still did the show. Like, he, he heard it during Act 1 and then continued on. And then at intermission, we, like, talked about how we could, like, modify the rest of Act 2 so that he could finish the show. Because there, so there were so many, like, there were lifts and there were very physical things that we were doing. And he was like, okay, there's all these things that we can't do. But... It's amazing how the show always goes on, despite all these bloopers that happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it always impresses me, just the dedication to the performance that Broadway totally. actors have. And you know, most of the time, the audience has no idea, which is always baffling to me. Oh, yeah. No, we have no clue. Yeah, so you can sing the same lyric five times. We're not going to know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it sounds good. We're going to be weeping at the end. You know what I mean? Right. Just... <laughs> there you go. We trust it. We trust in that. <laughs> Now, I know you're married. Um, how did you meet yeah. your husband? 
Uh, my husband and I met doing a um, production of Disney's Aladdin in Minnesota. We're both from Minnesota, and uh, the Minneapolis Children's Theater Company was doing Aladdin, and I was the understudy for Jasmine, and he was the understudy for Aladdin. And so we were both Oh, my God, that's show. too cute. We were, I know. We were both, like, ensemble members in the show, but um, one day the leads actually collided, and they had to stop the show, and he, um, he had chipped a tooth, and, like, she was gushing blood from her forehead, and they had to go to the hospital, and Nate and I went on together. And so oh our, my first God. Kiss was, our first kiss was on stage as Aladdin and Jasmine, like, before we were dating. And then, like, we kind of had a thing for each other, but going on together and, you know, first kiss on stage, that was that kind of sealed the deal. So a few days later, we were official. <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> How is that, you know, kissing on stage in front of, like, a full live audience? Is it awkward? Oh, well, not anymore because it's a part of the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Even I remember even Nate, like, after afterwards, and once we had started dating, like, a week or two later, he was like, so, like, how was that kiss, right? And I was like, it was mm-hmm. business. What are you talking about? It was business. <laughs> so, like, even the guy I kind of liked. Like, it was totally business for So, I don't know, you just, you learn to separate it. And I've, I've had the amazing opportunity to work with really wonderful leading men. I've, I've been so lucky, and they've all been very respectful. And, um, you know, I've become very good friends with all of them. But they all know I'm married, and that's, it's kind of nice to, like, have Nate. And Nate makes it a point to be around and, you know, get to know the guys, too, so that we all are friends. And there's, it's, it's just, it's a part of the business. <laughs> What's your favorite thing uh, to do in, the, in your downtime with your husband? Ooh, um, we love to uh, go out to eat. I mean, there's some amazing, amazing restaurants in New York City, and we love to mm-hmm. take advantage of that. And, you know, if we ever have What's a favorite shows. Oh, gosh, our favorite place. Actually, we have this tradition of Valentine's Day of going to this place called Harry's Burritos, and it's just a burrito joint that's like a few blocks from our apartment, but it just closed literally a month ago, and we are devastated. Um, but our our two, our second favorites... Um, Wait, a month a ago, called, so where'd you go for Valentine's Day? I know. We, we went down to another Mexican joint that is also really good, <laughs> but it wasn't... It's not the same, but we decided we went to, we were like, mm-hmm. we'll go to our second favorite Mexican place because we still had to keep the, you know, the chips and salsa coming on Valentine's Day. Yeah. But I know we were really, we were really disappointed. It's, I'm, I'm really bummed out to lose Terry's burritos. Um, but we also love, um, there's this place called Casa Lula. It's a little like wine and cheese, um, little cafe. It's, it's down in like Health Kitchen area in the theater district, and it's super cute. And they're open late, so you can go post show, and they have small small plates. And um, it just so happens that their anniversary of like is me and Nate's anniversary. So a lot of times we'll go like spend our anniversary there, celebrating their anniversary. We know all the people there. Oh, that's so us, funny. So, yeah, uh-huh. it's it's fun. It's fun. Now, you are going to be starring as Julie Jordan in Lyric Opera Chicago's production of Carousel. Yes. April 11th through May 3rd. Are you yes, excited? I'm so excited. This is like a dream role, and I'm with a dream cast and creative team, and I've actually never spent any time in Chicago. I'm from Minnesota, and I've never been to Chicago, so I'm, I'm excited to get to check all these things off the list. Well, I can tell you I've been there a million times since I'm from Michigan. It's phenomenal. You're going to love it. Yay! Um, You'll have to tell me where love to go it. and, like, mm-hmm. the spots that are open late and what yeah, museums absolutely. I can't miss. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The aquarium. you got to go to the aquarium. It's phenomenal. Okay, good to know. Um, good to know. So so uh, why is this a dream role for you? What about this role? 
Um, well, I mean, the past few years I've kind of been checking off the Rodgers and Hammerstein heroines, I guess. I've, <laughs> I got to play Nellie Forbush in South Pacific uh, about five years ago, and then I did um, a concert production of The Sound of Music and got to sing Maria at Carnegie Hall, which was amazing. And then I just did Cinderella, obviously, So, um, and that was Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. So now this is Julie Jordan and Carousel, and, you know, I grew up watching all the Rodgers and Hammerstein movies, and for the last you know, three or four years, I've had people in the business telling me, they're like, you need to play Julie Jordan, you have to play her. And so she's been on my radar, and then this whole opportunity came up, and it's um, it's a short run. We're going to be in Chicago less than two months, so I don't have to be away from my hubby too long. And Lila, my puppy, is coming with me, so she'll be my little buddy Aww. in Chicago. Um, so it just seems, it just seems right. It's like everything, everything fell into place. And she's you know, I get to sing some really incredible songs, and uh, she's a very complex woman. You know, she she falls in love with a man of, who comes to mistreat her, which is not good. But um, you know, she sings about it that she's like, it doesn't matter because I love him, and that's all I you know that's all I have to say. And uh, the story is, I mean, it's kind of epic what what happens. You know, she starts as the young one falling in love, and then goes on to get pregnant, have a daughter, and then I, won't, I don't want to ruin it. But a, a lot happens in the show. It's a, it's a long, it's a span of time. So I think it's going to be um, an, an exciting challenge to get to conquer Julie Jordan. <laughs> how, do you, how do you prepare for playing that kind of character? What's your, what's your character research or your, what do you do? Sure. Well, I mean, this digital age, there's so many resources that are available to us. I already have the script and score. So, you know, I'm starting to take mm-hmm. a look at that. Um, but then there's so many, like, clips online of, of you know, past performances. And not that I'm wanting to, you know, copy anyone else's performance, but I actually I don't know the show all that well. Of the Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, hit shows, this is one I'm, I'm less familiar with. So I am kind of working on educating myself right now and being like, who has played this role before and how did they do this song and, you know, where does this go and what is the time period? And we're actually, we're moving, I hear that Rob Ashford, who is directing the show, his vision is to uh, move the show to kind of the Depression era, kind of the 30s and late 20s, 30s, um, which should change things a little bit. I think usually it takes place like earlier 1900s. And so um, I think having that aspect adding that aspect to the show will make it a little more desperate, a little more kind of gritty and, and dirty, which I think is what they're going for. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of research to be done, but we also have, you know, a month of rehearsal where we'll all get to kind of play together and, you know, throw all our ideas in the pot and stir it around and figure out, you know, what our version of Carousel is going to be. And I'm with I'm surrounded yeah, by incredibly smart and wonderful people, so I think it's going to be a really exciting process. Yeah, no, I know when you start rehearsing in March, have you met any of the other uh, of your other, if I can get this sentence out, castmates. Uh, other castmates yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Pasquale, who's playing opposite me, is Billy, Bil- Billy Bigelow. Um, we've known each other for a long time, but we've never worked together. So I'm so excited. He is unbelievably wonderful. And we, we had a photo shoot um, for this about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So we finally, like, got to hang out that afternoon and start getting into Julie and Billy mode. And then uh, Jen Gambatis is playing my best friend, Carrie. And um, she also came to the photo shoot for one of the one of the looks we were doing. So I got to meet her finally. I'd never met her. 
and then uh, Jen's opposite is Matt Heidzik, and uh, who plays Enoch Snow, Mr. Snow. And Matt and I actually did Grease together back in 2007. He was the understudy for Danny. So that will be oh, fun wow. to be reunited with him for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that'll be cool for sure. Well, good yeah. luck. And then I, I know Rob, thank you. I know Rob Ashford, who's the director and also the music director, David Chase. Um, David and I have done. He did. He, David worked on Cinderella and Anything Goes and Grease that I did. So, I'll, oh, wow. it'll be really, really great reuniting with him too. So it's almost time to go. But before we do, I have a little game I play with my guests called Sixty okay. Second Speed Through. So I'm going to shoot a bunch of questions at you, and you're going to have sixty seconds to answer as many as you can. All right? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. What's playing on your iPod? Um, the last five years. Let's say that again. The last five years, the soundtrack. Oh, okay, so yes, yes. <laughs> Favorite vacation destination. Turks and Caicos. Ooh, love it there. Finish this line from Bonnie and Clyde. Most girls would hate to be standing in my shoes. But true love, something you can't choose. Yep. Dream world <laughs> on Broadway. <laughs> Uh, Marion Peru in The Music Man. Hmm. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. Carb load or carb avoid? Ooh, carb load. I have such a sweet tooth. <laughs> <laughs> How do you de-stress? Um, words with friends. Playing words with friends oh. on my phone. <laughs> I'm a big scramble girl. Um, yes, I am too. What show? <laughs> what show is this line from? No day but today. No day but today. Um, well, I want to say music, but that's not it. Uh, no, um, no day. Wait. But today. Oh my gosh! Why am I blinking? No, I know it. Wait, like <laughs> you can say skip on one. <laughs> okay, wait, skip. I'll come back. One thing you'd like to tell your 15-year-old self. Um, be patient. No day but today is rent. Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. I need a minute. Seconds. Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> that was a tough one. Um, that's 60 seconds. Laura, thank you so much. Okay, for good. It's been so fun. <laughs> thank you so much, Erica. I appreciate your time, and thanks for helping um, promote the show in Chicago. I'm really excited. If you live in Chicago, go see Laura and Carousel at the Lyric Theater from April 11th through May 3rd, and find out more about what she's up to by following her on Twitter at Laura Osnes. L-A-U-R-A-O-S-N-E-S. You've been listening to The Erica Finn Show. Follow us on Twitter at Erica Finn to get behind-the-scenes picks and to find out the inside scoop about our upcoming guests. That's all for tonight. See you next week. You have been listening to The Erica Finn Show. We would love to hear from you. Contact the show with any guest requests or comments at the Erica Finn Show at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter.